Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket and a look back at the third day in the Ashes Test Match at the Gabba. And I think we had more traditional kind of gabatoire essence towards the end of that day with England fending off the quick bowlers, ball bouncing at their head, Joe Root hit on the head. But I suppose overall, after three days cricket, Simon, we'd say England would look back at it and say there's been some missed opportunities, really, both with the bat and the ball. Well, they were 246 for four on the second day, and that felt like a big opportunity to get 350, possibly even 400 if you're really greedy. They rather frittered that away by losing three quick wickets, including Milan caught on the deep backwards square leg boundary, the obvious trap set which we talked about yesterday today 209 for seven they've taken wickets with the second new ball it was surprising that James Anderson was taken off after three overs with the second new ball he got rid of Tim Payne in his first over with it and then straight after lunch with Australia seven down they came out and neither Broad nor Anderson bowled and normally when you start a session especially when a team is seven down as well you use one or two of your Premier bowlers and England didn't do that, so that was a strange tactic. I mean, if they bowled, it might not have worked, but you'd have expected Root to have employed that tactic and tried to put a bit more pressure on Australia. Yeah, I just wonder whether there's a, a little bit of a worry about Anderson's fitness. Um, certainly at the end of the day, uh, there were various questions asked. I mean, I know you talked to Stuart Broad about it, and there's a, a kind of dead bat from the England camp, but he has had more sort of serious injuries recently and obviously he had that shoulder operation about a year ago and came back from that very well but uh, one or two instances during the day in the field he looked not quite at full throttle and uh, he sort of jogged after the ball in a slightly gingerly way whether he uh, is sort of feeling the effects of being hit on the hit when he batted or whether there's a a bit of a a nagging concern about that shoulder injury I'm not sure and I'm, I'm sure England won't let on but you would have thought that they would go straight to Anderson and Broad straight after lunch I mean you have to identify those key moments in big test matches like this and you also have to think in a way who would the opposition least like to face 
when they're restarting after a break and it's got to be Anderson and Broad obviously that that means they have to do a lot of work they have to do a, a lot of the, the pressurized bowling but that's what they're paid the big bucks for and that's why they've got over 800 nearly 900 wickets between them and they were superb let's face it five for 99 between them and they didn't go for more than two runs and over and they gave England an opportunity they gave England their chance in this match it may well be that they haven't been quite good enough to grasp it. There's still plenty of cricket to play. I mean, you know, that, that sort of feeling of, of momentum change today with England on top and sensing a lead of 50 or 60. At the end of the day's play, Australia looked to be on top, England effectively 7 for 2. But, you know, if England do back well on the fourth day, if they can get, say, over 200 ahead, even up towards 250, then the pressure then switches to Australia. But there's not much room for manoeuvre. For England now, there's not much room for error. Someone has got to get 100. It didn't happen in the first innings. A few batsmen threatened to do so. James Vince was the primary example of that. That He didn't go on to get 100. He was run out. Can someone produce 100 in the second innings and make a hero of themselves and give England a victory chance? And, and that is really the essence of it. And you could almost see in Joe Root's face the, the, the awareness of that, the awareness of his responsibility to, in a way, counter the, the fantastic performance by Steve Smith. That uh, devotion to the crease for, what, over eight hours in all, and England still can't find a way through. They couldn't even induce a half chance. The closest he got to being out was when he top-edged a hook about 10 yards short of the man at deep square leg on the second day. But, you know, he was faultless today, wasn't he, batting-wise? And, uh, I mean, his stats are incredible. Since he's taken over as captain, I think he's now captain in 27 tests, and his batting average is 72. So he's really obviously inspired and motivated by being captain. I noticed that now, with that 141 not out, his test average has gone up to 61.23. I sound like I've swallowed a, a statistical... Uh, book today but it, it means that actually apart from Adam Voges who is a bit of an anomaly with a test batting average of 61.5 in his 20 test matches it means that Steve Smith is now second only to Don Bradman and and that does you know just say a, a huge amount about his ability what an incredible transformation in a cricketer who you know when he played in the, in his first Ashes series what eight years ago you know he he was brought in and he admitted he was brought in to, to have a bit of a laugh and a joke and and you know bring some fun to the team the series in which uh, Andrew Strauss's team won the Ashes and he was a bit of a, he was a bit of a joke himself he bowled a few leg breaks he batted at number eight played a few squashbuckling 20s brilliant fielder I think when he changed was when he started playing in the IPL, actually. And I, I think I realised then how serious a cricketer he was. He was always in at crucial times, even in 20-over matches. And he had that winning kind of habit, that, that ruthlessness that you now identify with his batting. And the other thing I'd say about him that's interesting is that the, the, the his style of batting, I mentioned Don Brammer before, is really quite similar. Although he fidgets more at the crease than Bradman ever did, who, who stood pretty still... Bradman had this what what he called rotary method where he took the bat back to about gully and then brought it round in a circle and then brought it down quite straight but it it started in quite a sort of semicircular motion when it went back and Smith has exactly the same and a lot of people say oh you know it means he's playing across the line but when the ball is straight he doesn't ever miss it, does he? Even though it looks as if he might hit it through the leg side, a bit like Viv Richards. It's just the application of the wrists at the end of the shot that makes it look as if he's playing across the line, whereas actually a lot of the time he's playing very straight. And he's just invincible, impossible to get out. 
Well, that's one way of dealing with him, of, of restricting him, is to bowl out the others at the other end. Uh, England only have to get him out nine times in the series now. They didn't look like getting him out. There was a, a, a sort of mini sledge from Stuart Broad in his post-match in his post-match interview with me on the Test match special at the, at the end of the day's play. He said, "Well, he look, you know, he looks a very good player when the ball doesn't move around." Emphasising when the ball doesn't move around, because they they did restrict him in the Edgbaston and Trent Bridge Test matches in the last Ashes series. That's the last time he had a bit of a lean run, actually. Four single-figure scores. That was that was the last time he he really struggled. He's been so remarkably consistent. Didn't look like getting out. Impregnable. It was a bit like you know we know the sun's going to rise tomorrow morning, and a Smith hundred just seemed absolutely inevitable. I remember being in Antigua when Brian Lara made his four hundred, and even when he had about seventy, you know, then a hundred and thirty, you just thought that he's going to get the record here. And that seems a ridiculous thing to say. You know, he still had another sort of two hundred and seventy to go. You just knew he was going to do it. And Smith, you just knew he was going to score a hundred. It was the, it was just the most inevitable thing. And England were relieved to to get rid of everyone else at the other end. What about uh, Pat Cummings, actually, as well? Because we should mention him. I mean, he has been... He's got so many uh, people kind of crowing on about him for years, even though he'd only played the one test match in South Africa and obviously one man of the match in that test match. But ever since, had hardly featured with a series of injuries. But everyone said, well, when he actually does finally get on the field, he'll be a phenomenal cricketer. And he's shown some signs of why people gave him such a rap in this match both with the ball and, of course, with the bat, because he 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 was quite a, a, a resolute sort of innings. I thought of him more as a, a bit of a, a stroke player, but he's got strokes, but he's also got a good defence, and without him supporting Steve Smith, Australia wouldn't have got a lead. He batted superbly. I mean, you think of him as a... Well, a tail ender. He he is a, a bowling all rounder in the making. It it, it really was a, an excellent innings, and he just seemed so composed as well, so mature at the crease. Nothing seemed to phase him. And Stuart Broad was saying that you know the pitch was really flat today. It was you know the best pitch of the of the match so far, the best day for batting in the match so far. But you, you still have to give Cummings credit, and he was, he came in in a really pressurised situation. He just looked unflappable and England got, you know, really, it must have been really frustrating to Bolton because had Steve Smith at one end who didn't look like getting out and Cummings the number nine didn't look like getting out either you feel he's one of those players that could bat a little bit higher in the order you know he's good enough to bat higher in the order that that may happen as his career goes on but you know he's, he's definitely got the potential to be a, a bowling all-rounder. England's bowling generally Anderson and Broad conceding less than two and over five wickets between them as you said Moen Ali didn't get as much turn as, as Nathan Lyon did. I'm just wondering whether he's quite getting through his action. Of course, he was injured uh, early in the tour and, and doesn't look as if he gets spilling, spilling the ball quite as much as he did in the summer. And Chris Wokes and Jake Ball were kind of just a little bit short of a length, maybe. Just actually not quite got the venom that, that, that maybe you'd have hoped they had. Yeah, Wokes had a disappointing day yesterday. He got a wicket today. Ball got a wicket yesterday, had a disappointing day today. I mean, both, one thing you'd say about both of them is you know, Ball hasn't had a great deal of bowling because he, he was injured in Adelaide, turned his ankle, didn't play in the, the, the final warm-up game before the Ashes. And the same with Wokes. He hasn't bowled a huge amount. He was injured before the, during the Champions Trophy at the start of the summer. He played a bit for Warwickshire, didn't he? And he came back and played a bit of international cricket. Did play in the warm-up games, but perhaps just short of a gallop, just sort of getting back into that, that rhythm of bowling and bowling and bowling. And England needed that back up today, and it, and it wasn't quite there from those two. And as you say, with Moen, you know, Phil Tufton identified that as a, as a former spinner, saying, you know, is he quite over the, the injury? Is he really 
committing to his action and you know not as effective as line and that i think that could be one of the problems for england we you know we talk about the the, the pace bowlers and you know, and it was exhilarating it really was gabbatoire cricket uh, in the final session with the pace bowlers steaming in as you mentioned root hitting the helmet but but also line came on and he turned the ball more than we saw from mowing and line could have a, a big say in the outcome of this match so England had the tricky 16 overs to bat that night, a perfect time for quick bowlers to bowl. You know you're only going to bowl about five overs, the ball's nice and hard, It's the light is going down, the batsmen are apprehensive, they can't really profit much, they can only uh, lose a, a lot and not gain too much in those 16 overs. And obviously Alistair Cook fell hooking. We had Dean Jones on our show yesterday saying about playing the hook shot it's a dangerous shot to play on the bigger Australian boundaries when the ball bounces a bit more. There was a bit more bounce. Of course, it is the shot that, that Cook plays well. And actually, it was a brilliant catch as well. But should he have been hooking the ball at, at that stage? Well, when you when you get out caught hooking in that situation, there's inevitable criticism that's going to fly around. What do you, what do you think about Cook as an international cricketer? I'm not, I'm not writing him off, but he, he's had a pretty lean run of it for, for quite a long time now. I mean, there, there does come a stage in any cricketer's career when you've been playing for a really long time. What has he been playing for now? You know, 12 years, he's been churning out all those runs. There does come a time when you, 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 your game does begin... To dip, whether it's a sort of terminal or very gradual terminal dip, or just a sort of a blip, and you'll, you'll come back and you know, find that renewed energy and, and, and determination to succeed remains to be seen. But I, you know, I, I just wonder. I, I just wonder about Alistair Cook. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think, uh, in actual fact, you often look at someone and see how, with a batsman, and look how their fielding is. And he's missed a few catches in the last, say, eight months at, at slip. And it's as if the eyes aren't working quite as well. There was, of course, that bouncer that the South African quick bowler, Chris Morris, bowled at him at Trent Bridge, which had him sort of almost flinching and caught behind. And I haven't seen that happen to Cook before. He's normally so good on the pull and the hook shot. And uh, today getting out hooking as well. And, you know, just uh, looking a little bit circumspect, obviously, in the first innings before he got out. So... Obviously, you know, people are gunning for him. Uh, it's a tough job being an opening batsman. You're going to get good balls. But if you look at his stats over the last 12 months, I think he's averaging just under 40, which is a little bit less than his career, 47. And he's made one big score and quite a few smallish scores. So, yeah, I just think there is there would be areas of concern slightly, I think. But you don't write a man off who scored 11,500 test runs. No, and, and you mentioned that one big score. It was against the West Indies at, at Edgbaston on that flat pitch when West Indies looked flat, and he, and he filled his boots. He was still able to fill his boots. Anyway, to, uh, TBD, I think, on, on Alistair Cook. It'll be fascinating to see how he, he goes in the rest of the series. So where, where, where are we then, uh, Simon? With two, two days left of this Test match, England effectively 7 for 2. What are we looking at, I wonder, in terms of, of percentage chances? I mean, Australia look reasonably strong favourites I would say and and the draw and England uh, you know out a bit uh, you know Australia well placed I think reasonably well placed to go one up in the series I don't think that's being too pessimistic or, or, or negative I think it's it's being realistic but in, if England have a good morning they have a you know a good day's batting then they're they're right back in the match but I think today just sort of emphasised why I was uh, you know a little bit concerned about England's chances 
in the series. You know, there's Steve Smith, and then the bowlers came out, and they they almost got that big rumble going. It was a minor rumble in a way, uh, with with two wickets going down, but they they got it going. And if they can apply a bit more pressure tomorrow, it'd be fascinating to see how that you know, rather fragile England batting lineup can respond. Well, certainly they they were hit with the, the you know the bulldozer of of Australian fast bowling tonight, and they'll be just nursing a couple of bruises. Stoneman was hit under the armpit. Obviously, Root was hit on the head. It was very very serious examination of their courage as much as their technique. I thought Stoneman handled it pretty well actually, but he's going to get more of it in the morning. It will be a little bit easier in the morning because the bowlers can't go for it in quite the same way as you can when you've only got sixteen overs to field that night. You know they've got a whole day ahead of them. It's brighter light and you know you just have to sort of pace yourself a little bit more so England have to get through that first hour I think they have to look at a minimum of 300 in the third innings the pitch is is probably at its best at the moment it's a little bit quicker so you can score and I don't think it's going to get that much worse but Lyon will turn the ball uh, so they have to be in mind of of trying to make sure that they don't allow him to dictate and I suppose it's going to be where England might miss Stokes because having him coming in at number six with the prospect of trying to get a lead beyond 300 would be such a luxury. They haven't got Stokes. They've got Moen at six and the bowlers, the fast bowlers, just looking a little bit more hostile, a little bit more threatening now. So a huge amount rests on Joe Root and, and to a lesser extent Mark Stoneman. If they can get through the first hour and make the bowlers, wear the bowlers down, remember that they've only got four bowlers in that. Australian attack. If it's hot, it's going to be tough for them, provided the batsmen make them work like Steve Smith did. So that's the target. They have to try and get to, say, 100 for two at lunch and then build on that and try and get 300 plus. Well, they'd bite your hand off for a lead of 300 plus, 250. I I think they might be happy with that at the moment. It's not necessarily a a winning position, but it, it gives them a chance. But if it's under 220, something like that, then you, you back Australia to, to get the runs. I mean, it doesn't guarantee anything, of course. The last day, last innings in an Ashes Test match, the first Test match of a summer, you know, there's pressure around when you were chasing even a total like that. But it, it feels that Australia hold most of the cards, but it has been a tight, fluctuating game. Is there, a, is there another big twist to come in the game? Well, let's hope there is. And uh, we in, at the Cricketer magazine, we, our latest issue, which is out today, uh, has on the cover England's greatest batsman. And we've done a, a poll of, of some of the leading commentators and journalists, including you, uh, about who they think are their, their top five England batsmen of all time. Joe Root isn't in that top five. And tomorrow would be an amazing time for him to to really put down a marker for how great a player he is. He's one of those players who probably in five years' time will be regarded as one of England's greatest five batsmen. But he's got to start putting a marker down in places like this, in places like the Gabba, when he's captain on the fastest, one of the fastest pitches in the world. This is the time he has to stand up and make a 100 and prove he is really great. Well, Steve Smith's already done it. For Australia, he's sort of set the benchmark, you know, for captains in the series. I mean, you, when you think of the, the top players in the world, you know, Kane Williamson, Virat Kohli, Steve Smith, and Joe Root's there. Smith's done it in the series. Root probably needs to follow if England are to have a, a chance in this game. And the forecast for, for, for tomorrow in Brisbane? 
Well, we forecast rain today, some, some showers and the possibility of a thunderstorm. It didn't materialise. It's very hard to predict. I have a few showers around, um, which might help England, although generally you know, time gets made up. But I, I don't think the forecast is, is that bad. It's not going to... You need one of those Brisbane storms that, that came about in, in, uh, in the late 90s that, that ruined Australia's winning chance there with England six down on the, on the final day. Uh, I mean, you don't want to see the weather save England. You want to see them battle it out and see if they can take on this four-man Australia attack and really come out in credit in this test match. They've played good competitive cricket so far. It's been a, it's been a tight game, but it, I just wonder whether the balance of power has you know, significantly now switched Australia's way. Well, I've got my fingers crossed. I've got both fingers crossed. I've got my feet crossed as well that England can do it. We'll speak to you at the same time tomorrow reviewing the fourth day's play and hopefully we'll have some good news for you. Speak to you then. Goodbye for now. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.